You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, how to decrease stress and increase self-care on your financial freedom journey. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome back. Or welcome to a brand new episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. If you were not aware already, you are now a journeyer. That means you are on the path with me to financial freedom and independence. So buckle up as we take off. Today in the rocket chair, I have Aisha Moore, who is also a journeyer. I just love when I get to speak to people who actually listen to the podcast and are on the journey with me and then also have something to share and expertise. Aisha Moore is a self-care advocate and stress management expert. She helps successful women who are stressed out get serious about self-care so that they can outsmart, overwhelm, sustain success, and revive relationships. After getting serious about her own self-care, she was able to get off five anxiety medications and get her job back after being demoted and revive a failing marriage. So we don't get too much into her marriage in this episode and all this juiciness. Now I'm like, wait, I should have asked her more of these questions. (laughs) But we talk about how she herself went from being overwhelmed, burned out and coming back and how if you are right now experiencing that, to know the signs, how to fix it, how to really up your self-care game while on the journey to financial freedom. So I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. Journey to Launch is supported by First Republic Bank. Whether your financial needs are simple or complex, the First Republic mobile app is your direct link to personalized support every step of the way. Easily schedule payments, keep track of expenses, securely transfer funds, or message your dedicated First Republic banker directly from the app. I love that I can log in and do everything at the swipe or tap of the finger. From checking my account balances to paying bills, the First Republic app helps me manage accounts safely and securely without sacrificing the tailored service that I have come to expect. The First Republic Bank mobile app is available on the App Store and Google Play. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, journeyers. So we are going to be talking about a very special, important topic today with my guest, Aisha Moore. Aisha and I are going to be talking about self-care. And yes, the typical form that we hear about self-care, and I know it's like a buzzword, especially with the pandemic and everything that's been happening, but also how it relates to our finances. Aisha's going to share a little bit more about her journey. So I just want to welcome Aisha to the Rocket Seat. Welcome. 
Thanks, Jamila. And I feel like I'm a journeyer too. So I feel like I'm on the listener and the guest today. I love that. I love what I, you know, I reach out. So we we know each other. We went to the Miley retreat together. And that's, I think, where I first met you in person, at least. And then I started to follow you. And I just love when, like, I have an interest in someone's, like, work. But then they also, like, happen to listen to Journey to Launch. And so it was just, like, a very fluid relationship because it works both ways. And I'm just like, oh, you're a journeyer. Like, I know you're just like, listen, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, really? That's so cool. Because um, not everyone who comes on does. So I just like it when you get it, like you're going to get what we're going to talk about now. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been exciting to watch the journey, uh, the journey, um, but just how the <laughs> podcast has grown and the Plutus Awards and all the things that you've gotten and just the lane that you've carved out for yourself. Thank you. And one of the things that you were talking about before we press record about for yourself, you said that you wanted to, and we're going to get into the self-care topic, but I think this is important because you were listening to other finance podcasts and you thought they were like too like bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then also like you like the fact or you appreciate that you are discovering like there's different ways that you can define what financial freedom means. And I think that's important because everyone's definition is going to be different, which I do think relates back to mental health and self-care. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I've you know worked so hard to get the right jobs, do the right things. And with a sense of like, because there were certain things that I wanted, there was a certain like lifestyle that I was looking forward to. So it's learning how to think about now as well as the future and where's the middle ground. Right, right. Okay, so let's hop into this self-care business. So you basically specialize in this. Um, Your account, which I love your Instagram account, you do all these cool reels where you're talking about self-care and the importance of it and prioritizing it. And I was like, I need to have you on the podcast to talk about this because I find often that on this journey, whether you know, we're getting specific about like, you know, paying off a debt or saving, or then the ultimate goal of never having to work for anyone else. We prioritize the money. And, you know, a lot of the journey is mental and emotional that we go on with this. And so making sure that we are putting our needs, our emotional, mental needs, physical needs first, I believe is really important. More important than I would say, dare I say, the money goal. So how would you define what self-care looks like on the financial journey? For sure, for sure. I can definitely jump into that. So I think one of the facets of financial independence is like, how can I make the most money in the quickest amount of time so I can retire as early as possible? And for a lot of people, that means working two or three jobs or like they go for the job that is the most lucrative without thinking about like what that job is going to do to them mentally. And so I think we have to balance that. So I found on the points of my journey, I was, I did, I've done everything from like little side hustles, like mystery shopping. I've been an extreme couponer, like all of those little things that again, you know, full-time job that pays well enough to pay all my bills and be able to save but like was craving like how to get my finance together. And so just trying so many things and those things take mental and physical bandwidth, right? They just don't like those hours to do those things, to do the research don't come out of nowhere. And so we have to be careful with that. Like our body keeps the score. Our body knows that we're overwhelmed. Our body gives us some signals that we often ignore. So one thing is people are always like, why is my eye twitching? And I'm like, cause you're stressed out. <laughs> that's one thing that people always say, my eye was twitching today. Why is that? That's one of those things or we're feeling that exhaustion, but we're so focused on that money goal that we'll ignore it. And for me, 
I almost lost my job over being too focused on the money goal. I had to go on short-term disability. And then it was like, okay, I'm not independently wealthy yet. I have to go back to this job. And how am I going to make this work? And that's really where this all came from in terms of self-care. Because it was like, so how do I sustain my success at the same time as um, being able to take care of myself? And I think what I do now really, I've been able to strike the balance in that and to reach so many money goals but while also working less, but still getting raises, working less, but still being the star on the team, all of that. And so I figured out like how you make this happen because so many of us, we're so dedicated, like at work, they we're doing 10 times as any as everyone else. So if we just do six times, we're still gonna be cool. <laughs> we're still gonna keep that job. We're not gonna get fired. So I'm not trying to get to, I'm not trying to tell you to scale back to the point where you're gonna get fired, but for most of us, we could do a little less and still be stellar. Yeah. Okay. All right. So many things to quote unquote unpack here. So one, how does one make that balance? So you brought up a very good point because I relate to this. When I first started the journey and I was working my job, then I had journey to launch and it was growing. Like I was doing all the things and I had that stable income, but then I was growing journey to launch. And so on paper, if I continued doing that, I would for sure reach my goals, my money goals, like in a couple of years, but physically and emotionally, mentally, I just could not keep that pace up. And what I find is that for some people, um, you know, when they find out about this concept, this idea that, you know, just aggressively save and invest for those that can do that, it is very goal focused and oriented. And then they quickly find out that they're burning out. So there's that part of the journey, like the physical burnout, because you're doing so much is not sustainable. And then to me, there's this like mental, emotional part of it where it feels so far away, your goal but you feel stuck where you are. And there's that like a mental, emotional, because I had someone reach out like, how do I stay at my job and be happy now? <laughs> like now that I know there's like this path. So I know that's like a two-part question. And I, you know, but let's talk about how do you even strike that balance? Like that you talked about, how did you strike that balance? Yeah. So the first part of the story was, I was like, I've been in my career for 10 years. I need to be in management now. So I was just telling everybody I wanted to be a manager. And then someone called me and was like, do you want this director's job? And I was like, sure, where do I send my resume? They're like, oh no, you could just have it because you used to work here in the past and you have XYZ qualifications. So if you want it, you could just have it. So I'm like, yes, like, you know, that's what we all strive for, for somebody to call you and give you a high level job, right? So that, you know, I got that call, but I met the goal that I had was, to be a manager, I met it even more because I got a director position and I, you know, just my work spoke for itself. And so it was kind of given to me in that way. But then I didn't ask like a lot of questions like, okay, so what does this look like? So in my mind, you know, I had imagined this job because I was going to be remote and all these things. I was going to have all this flexibility. There was none of that. So I didn't ask any questions about that. And also that was the only goal that I had. So I didn't actually have money goals at this point. I was recently married. I didn't think about like, okay, so how does taking on a high power job, how's that going to affect me being a newlywed? I didn't think about like, okay, so what do I want my schedule to be? Because this particular schedule was all the time, every, you know, every day it was a digital communications position. So everyone thinks that that tweet and that blog, you know, has to go out at this time. And if it doesn't, the world's going to end. Right. So I started to take on that energy where I'm a little bit more laid back. So I didn't think about anything, but this title. Right. And not even the money, because I like looking back, I was like, I should have paid a whole lot more for this job. Right. But it's just, we, sometimes we can be so focused on one pillar of life and we ignore the other ones and we're going to get to the other ones later. But 
you know, for most of my life, I had always been focused on the next sort of like educational or career goal. So it was kind of false expectation that I was ever going to let go of that and get some other goals and other focus areas. So that's kind of where I started back. So after the short-term disability, I go back to work because I need money and I find out that I'm demoted. And I was like, bruh, okay. But then I call, I pick up the phone and call my boss. I was like, wait a minute. So do I make the same amount of money? She was like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So I got to do less. I could go home at 530 and I don't have to, and I make the same amount of money. She was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I could work with this. And so I used that opportunity to kind of have that extra time to sit down and say, okay, so what do I want to do with all of my life, not just work? And so therefore I was to be able to put together a vision that included all the things that I wanted. And then I literally took everything off of my plate that did not go with this vision and then started to rebuild how I spent my time and energy based on this vision that included everything that needs to be included, not just work. And now I'm curious because, you know, before you said that you lost, you almost lost everything you had to go on disability because you were going so hard. Was that a burnout? You reached a burnout point? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I reached a burnout point. I didn't know. I, I was going back and forth to the doctor, losing like five pounds a week, didn't know what was going on. They were testing me for everything. And finally, one day my doctor was like, do you think it could be stress and anxiety? And I was just like, nope, 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 nope. Because Everyone works like this. So that's not it. It's got to be something else. And then after got to the last test, she's like, how about you, you know, try therapy? And my therapist opened my mind to how much stress I was under. And that's when I really had to tackle it. And you had to actually take off work because of that. For two months, for two months. Two months. Well, I'm going back there and and I'm going to go back to the question I started with. But this is really important. So many of us are operating on autopilot, but like our fuel tank is literally on E, but it's sh- our set point is used to it by now. So we don't even notice that it is on E because we've been running on E so long until something drastic happens, until there's a big health scare. So I guess I want someone else who's listening who may be in this right now, but doesn't know that that's what this is and that they have an opportunity to stop it before it gets to that big health scare, what that was. So was were there any health signs like or things that you, looking back now, you should have said, oh, you know, in addition to losing weight, but what were the other things that were coming up for you in your body that were happening? Yeah, yeah. So before we even get to the body, there were some other signs of what I call personal chaos that people should pay attention to. I was always losing my keys. I never knew where they were in the morning. And so every morning was super hectic and that was impacting my body because my body didn't know why I was like crazy and sort of panicky every morning because I was just trying to find my keys so I could get out the door to get on the train on time. Right. But my body like thought, you know, we go back to our basic reactions to stress, which is that fight, flight, or freeze. And so my, my body's thinking that I'm fighting something every morning, but no, I'm not, I'm fighting myself trying to find my keys every morning. So stuff like that, when things start to slip through the cracks. So it happens to all of us. We can't find our keys. And then when we get into the car, we realize the gas light is on because we forgot, like we should have got some gas last night. So then we're zooming through the streets and that kind of thing. And then everyone is in our way. So when we find ourselves just being really hurried, overwhelmed to the sense that there's no room for error in our schedule. So if like, again, so if I can't find my keys, then that just is a domino of me being late, all these other things. So that to me, that was for me, the sign that I missed that things were just a little bit chaotic and they didn't need to be. So now I you know, put my keys in a certain place. 
I always go get gas on Thursdays, no matter what. So then my tank, my literal gas tank will never be empty. I don't wait for the light anymore. Now, so that's a worry. I don't have to worry. Just little, little stuff like that. Just taking, I couldn't remember like, okay, which part of the parking deck that I park on? I'm not sure because I don't even remember driving here, that kind of stuff always finding that you're like, okay, apologizing for being late or not being able to get something to people on time. That's the kind of stuff that are the precursors before you get to basically what I call the Pepto-Bismol commercial, the nausea, headaches, indigestion, upset stomach, and that last one, if you remember the jingle, right? So before we get to the Pepto-Bismol commercial symptoms, it's definitely a lot of that chaos that we can control that we don't that then leaves us not even ready for the stuff that we can't control, like our boss not being happy or like a job loss or death in the family that we can't handle that stuff because overall our life is chaotic. Yeah. And that sounds like also self-sabotage. It's like this never ending cycle of you start your morning, your nights, everything is like a cycle. Your nights are ending not so great. Your mornings are starting out a hot mess and then it continues on in your day. And there are little things. And I used to notice this too, like about myself, like there were little things. If I just did, my day could go better, but I just like didn't. And I don't know, is that like a sign of you kind of like are swept in to this force that you, you can step out of, but in the moment you feel helpless. And I feel like a lot of people feel like that. Yeah. I've been reading this book right now called The Big Leap. I think it's The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And he talks about this idea that we are just not trained for things to go right multiple times. We, we're we looking for the other shoe to drop, right? We're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And in the process of waiting for the other shoe to drop for something to go bad, we just go ahead and create a bad thing because we're like, okay, the bad thing's going to happen anyway. There's no way I could continue to save this amount of money every month, month after month. So let me go splurge on something, right? So it's just this, I don't know if it's just an, I don't know if it's an American tendency or just a human tendency that we've been trained that things can't just go right. Things can't be at peace. Like I have a hard time with this because I'm being at peace is a little bit foreign to me. It's not something that I've been used to my whole life. And so then it's like, oh, well, okay. I'm feeling peaceful. My schedule's in order. Let me just add one more thing. Yes. And then I'm like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? You was at peace. You was at peace, girl. That is so relatable. I wonder if anyone right now is listening and nodding their head because I even said like, oh, this year was going to be the year of just release and I was just going to allow, meaning I would do less and let things come to me. February was a month for me. It was hard um, with the weather being in New York and cold, but then like it was slow, but in a good way. This is what I wanted. Like I wasn't as busy and I felt like anxious, like what's happening? Like I got like when I'm not kind of running on all cylinders, it feels weird. Like I almost feel like this, I need to be like running all over the place. So yes to all that. And what's important. So how this relates to financial independence, which is more in my opinion, like a lifestyle of what you just want to have control over your time without worrying about money is that technically everyone's working and working so that they can say and have security and they don't have to do all the things. My fear is that when you do reach that goal, that you'll get there and you'll be like, wait a second, this is, mm -mm, I'm still not happy. Like that is my biggest fear for people for myself is that you say that that's what you want, which then allows you to kind of like fight against the system and all these things that you don't like. But what happens when all that is good? Like you are good. And then you realize, wait, that wasn't the issue. There's other stuff going on. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we, we really have to peel back those layers. Like I mentioned, I went to therapy and this is, that opened me up to just how, I have been such a striver for so long and it's like, okay, so 
the things you were striving for was where you, you had them right on the basic level. Right. And then it's like, oh, and then you meet financial independence and you got to strive even more to do certain things. Like, how do you, ba- how do you balance that? Right. So for me, striving right now looks like to just stay on my plan, stay in the zone and not get distracted by all of the other shiny things. It's like, okay, you know, stop touching your 401k percentage, just let it stay there and do that, you know, figure out like what your budget is for the things that bring you meaning and joy and like stay with that. Um, Cause like last month I bought a bunch of stuff and I was just like, no, 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 no. That's taking away from like all, you know, all of your dreams and all your goals. And so, you know, we have, we're still in that striving now, but I think you're right. Cause you know, I'm not there yet. So I don't know necessarily what it's going to look like when it's time for this retirement, because about, I don't know, a couple months ago, um, I'm 42. So a couple months ago, I was like, I'm so glad I found financial independence, like fire, because this whole 67 retire uh, social security thing, I was like, that's 20 more years of working. I'm tired at least 20 years. So that really gave me the motivation to be like, okay, let me figure this out, um, what I'm going to do in the next 10 years. Yeah. But I think if you're doing it, uh, I don't want to say right, but if you're doing it in a way that sets you up for the best success while you are reaching for this big goal and whatever that date is and age that you're able to like exit the traditional workforce or keep your job. But now, you know, you can leave if you want. You have to find ways to build that life now, to incorporate that life now. So I want to go back to you talked about um, like creating this vision. So you accepted the job, but it was really just the title and you didn't consider all the other things. So what are ways in which someone can look at their, their full picture? What are the components of that that they should be looking at? You know, not just work, but what are the components of someone's life that if they look at it in a holistic way, brings complete joy. Okay. So you've got your work, then you have your relationships, then you have your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health, um, your finances and your meaning and enjoyment in your life and service to others. So I would say those are the eight things that we should consider. What do those look like in the long term and almost in some ways like you said like you said what does that look like at the retire part and then between now and retirement what does it look like along the way so what do each one of those things look like along the way so one of the things in my vision is that i want my home to be a retreat center right so uh one to feel like a retreat center for me but also eventually have a home where like people can come and do self care stuff with me and things of that nature right and so in 2020, 2021, the way I made that happen is, and I, I should have done it for you, Jamila, but I often do like, if this, uh, my interviews that are like recorded on video in front of a bunch of plants so that like people are like, it looks like you're in the spot. It's literally like two feet by two feet in my little office, but I make it look like a spa because it's giving me that spa energy already. And then now also in the virtual world, when I do like my coaching and my speaking engagements, my office is now the stage. Right. And so I used to like I used to rent like cute little places to hold events and workshops. And I'm like, well, this is the workshop space. So I'm actually working right now with the um, interior designer to help me redesign the office into that retreat center workspace, because that's how I can have that now until I get to the point where we might buy a new house or move somewhere to make it a full retreat space. I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I make this 10 foot by 13 box that I sit in all the time? into a retreat space so that people can see that now and that can be that for me now. 
eventually that's going to look like a bigger home with some land and blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, okay, how do I make that happen right now? Yeah, I love that. Like, I love the concept of if you have three columns, like the now where you are, the on the journey, and then the ultimate where you want to be, right? And if you look at all those components of your life, how can you start, like, map out what you want to do, but then map out ultimately, okay, what's the process of getting there? How are you going to increase the the wellness part and, you know, the environment, like where you work and where you live and do it in a way in which it doesn't deter you, but it helps fuel you. And so one of the things now that you mentioned, you, you listed about eight, I believe, parts and components. Do you feel like there's one leading domino? Like this may be a very hard question to answer, but like, what if you can't do all the things, right? Like even thinking about it, it's like, oh my gosh, like who has time to like focus on each of these at the same time? But is there one that if you focus on and do maybe health, because then health gives you energy and all this, that then helps make all the other dominoes fall easier? Yeah. So how I really attacked this whole situation was I first had to start with my mental health because at the, so again, when I went back to work, my first goal was just to go to work and stay there all day and not leave because all of the anxiety and all of the burnout, I wouldn't like, I would come to work and say hi to my office mate. She would go to a meeting. She would come back and I was gone because like I had a panic attack or I just wasn't feeling good or that kind of thing. So I really realized, okay, so I have to work on my mental health first because I can't, I literally can't do anything else with that. And so from there, pretty much every year for the last seven years, I've made like one thing, my pillar of those eight things that I mentioned. So it was mental health, then it was spiritual health. And then kind of almost at the same time, those were, I was um, working on my relationship to my employment and career. So I kind of take one as the main one every year and sort of focus on that. And then the other ones, they're not at the forefront, but they're still there and I'm still checking in with them. And so they may not be so active. I might be reading books about those topics. I might be listening to podcasts on those topics, checking in with myself on those things. But the one, there's always one that I'm putting like the most time into. I love that. And, you know, it may be different for everyone based on what they value. You know, some people really do hold health up there in terms of even physical activity. So that's a priority. And when they do that, then they have more energy to make that sales call or go into work and ask for that raise. But, but so it's, I do think this is a self-reflection of what would make the most sense for you and even try to experiment, right? Like maybe instead of you can try, you know, the Aisha with the a year, but for someone who is wanting to create a holistic journey, maybe say, okay, let's try, if I focus on um, my finances, right? Like for this month, meaning like that is the lead domino and see how that feels. And then next month, I'm going to make the health a priority. So you're going to be focusing on eating healthier, moving your body. Like that is the main priority. So I think you can experiment to see what moves you more in the other areas of your life. What is that lead domino for you? So look at all those eight that I mentioned. You might have to rewind to get them, but those eight that I mentioned, and then measure your satisfaction in each one of those from one to 10. And then you can decide whether you want to go with the one that's the highest so that you could take it even higher. Or if you want to go with the one that's the lowest, and so you can start to make some moves on that. So I would recommend just like, okay, so how satisfied am I am I with this area of my life on a scale of one to 10? And then figure out if you want to start from the top or you want to start from the bottom. So Aisha, with that now, right? Like, so everyone's like, all right, I get that. Like, I would love, you know, my, my workspace is not what I want it to be, especially now that most, a lot of people are home. Even me, I'm finding that now where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I want all these things that my house right now does not have which I now need to spend and invest money to make that happen, which not that it's in direct conflict to my goals, but 
it is then taking money from where it could be invested or doing something else to this. So how does one decide how much they should put toward improving the other areas where it's not like investing, paying off debt? It's like other things that can help that. Yeah. So I know you're a big fan of this. So big fan of you need a budget. And that kind of changed my life to say, yes, I have money, but that money isn't for that. It's kind of like when your parents used to be like, well, do you have McDonald's money? Right. (laughs) It's like, I have money, but it's not McDonald's money. It's not for that. So I always have to sit and say, okay, do I want to, based on my goals, on my values, is it worth it to me to change that little piece of the puzzle a little bit? And, or for me, it's also like, okay, outside of my main job, in terms of the other ways that I make money, then I'll say, okay, so then that means I need to get one more speaking engagement, or I need to get one more client. And that feels me to go get that because I'm like, okay, I don't want to take from a particular goal. So right now I have, I'm saving for a car in cash. Me and my husband were in a car accident back in August and um, we're fine. Everything's cool. And normally I would have been like, okay, we need a car. But since we're at home all day in the pandemic, I was like, I think we can wait. And I think we could save, but there's been, you know, but it's very tempting to like watch that account grow and be like, well, you could like buy a little track jacket. Oh, you could buy this or buy that. But I really have used my vision to say, okay, so is this decision, no matter what the decision is, this decision moving me away from or towards my vision? And if it's going to move me away, how far away am I willing to let it move me? Yeah. Because sometimes you'll let it move you a little bit, but it's like, so how far, if I'm going to go this direction, how far off track am I willing to go off track and then make decisions from there? Yeah. And even, you know, with the list of the eight components that you mentioned, and, you know, I talked about putting in a list of what's currently happening for you and even ranking it, like you said, ranking um, how you are or how you feel about it, but then on the journey. So where you are now, on the journey, meaning while on your on the path to this goal of financial independence and freedom, what that looks like, and then the ultimate goal, like to put numbers around it, right? But not just numbers, but like specific things. So, for example, when it comes to let's just say um, an, an environment, let's just say you know your environment was one of those things where you live, where you work, you know where you are now. You're just like it's cool, but maybe ultimately I would need to be redone or buy a new house, <laughs> right? But in the meantime. That's not going to be possible. So perhaps it is adding um, some decor and like setting a budget around that, right? So I just think in each area, you can pick something and some things that help you feel and help you feel more aligned and better in those areas and put price points around it and dates on when you want to get them done and then budget forward for that. So that way you can start incorporating these changes into your life, like practically into your life. Yeah, because I don't want my journey personally to to financial independence. I'm not willing for it to be miserable along the way and waiting for this time of like, okay, if it's miserable this time, I'm going through this misery because later I'm going to reap this joy. I'm going to reap this happiness or whatever. And I think that's the way we treat also stress that a lot of people are like, okay, I'm just going to like work really hard um, and do all these things for four months because then I'm going to go on vacation. So COVID is a good example even though it was sort of the beginning of the year, people were looking forward to spring break. Like I know all the families were looking forward to spring break and to like, okay, I'm just going to go through all the stress until spring break. Spring break did not happen. So then we were already starting off this thing that was unimaginable because causes so much mental stress and anxiety. We were already like on a scale of one to 10, like down at a three, <laughs> you know, three or four or five. And then like COVID depletes us all the way there. So I really recommend 
not, you know, with self-care, like stress happens every day. So self-care happens every day. Like that is my mantra. And so I think the same thing can apply to our financial journey is that success that we're looking for that end point, like how can we get a taste of it every day? So I know someone who will in their dream, they want to be able to always like stay at luxury hotels. They can't do that right now, but they'll at least book a meal there while they're on vacation or have a drink there while they're on vacation. So they can have that luxury hotel feel, even though that's not where they're staying for the whole seven days of the vacation. So I think we have to give ourselves a taste of it because that's what keeps us going. Because again, you can burn out in your financial independence journey because you're like, forget about this. <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I've am i been saving so hard and I've given myself nothing. And then that's when instead of doing something little, you make like the big drastic change that totally knocks you off because you've been depriving yourself for so long. So I recommend it in life in general, but also when it comes to our financial um, independence journeys as well. Yeah, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I love that idea. And it's again, it's all self-based. It's that little luxury for you, like that luxury, having that is important, then find a way to put it in your life. And then also there are levels to this because there are some ways in which you can experience self-care and it's zero dollars, right? Like I've been on a medication kick lately and it's felt so good. I feel like it's kind of, you know, in a way based on my lifestyle and all the stuff I have going on, it does feel like a luxury to have that time to myself. Right. And that's free. Like, I mean, in terms of there's cost when I sit down and even if it's for five minutes and then there's like more expensive ones. Right. Like where it's just like, OK, or I can go like maybe take a really long walk or do all this stuff. And that's free. But OK, next level, you know, if we put even bands around how much. So there's the free enjoyment in this scenario. And then there's like the 10 to 100 dollar experience. Then there's 100 dollar to 500. Like, you know, you can also say to yourself, and have that, like I actually recommend, and I'm, you know, I think I'm about doing a separate episode on this, have them have different buckets at different price points and that you can, depending on where you are, pull from. And if you're like, you know what, this is not a month that I can spend of $500 on this thing, but I can spend 50, you already have like earmarked. That's what my $50 experience looks like. And that feels good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because in a lot of ways, again, as I was saying, is people are waiting for the opportunity to do something to take care of their mental health, to take care of their stress. So they're waiting for time or they're waiting for money. And there's just so many things that we can do to just redesign our lives. So our mornings aren't hectic, that we um, have time to transition from work to whatever our lifestyle is. So if it's being a mom or being a partner or whatever, what have you, like just having the space the space because just the the physical space in terms of like the time, but also the mental space, like that is such a gift. It's so valuable. You can't really put a price on it. So you have all of that. And then, then there's the other things like I love a good manicure with some nail art. Like that is one of my things, but I know it's place. I know that like if my nail polish is cracked and chipped, like getting that fix is not going to solve the fact that I like I overcommitted, right? It's not going to solve that. It's going to make me feel good in one um, area. It's, it's a part of like, you know, self-expression. So I get that good self-esteem feeling, but I know that it's actually not the solution to other problems. So we have to make sure that whatever self-care solutions we go after, they're actually solving problems that reduce our stress. A lot of times we go around it with other things and it's like, well, no, you actually need to sit down and have that conversation about that, what, about your budget with your partner, or you need to ask for the raise or you need to get that project off your plate. Like those are the actual things we have to do in order to reduce our stress. But instead we do a lot of things that cost money that go around it 
but it doesn't actually reduce and long-term stress reduction. Oh, that is a good one, Aisha. That's really good. Cause that's like that band-aid fix that we're like, well, you know, like this will make me feel better. And you do it. And you're like, oh, it actually didn't. And, <laughs> but you spent that money. And so discernment is key here. Discernment on, and again, no one can really answer every single thing for you. You have to really look into yourself um, to know like what changes and what spending like in that area can actually do for your like mental health. Cause some people will say, well, you know, I know having that nice car will make me feel better and I'll be good. And maybe for some people it's true. Like they are more, they're more motivated. They have a different pep in their step when they're asking for money and how they relate to people in the world and it works. And for some people getting that nice car does nothing but give them, you know, like a momentary boost and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So my my nail tech and I um, have had this discussion as to whether, should we call Dave Ramsey and ask if nails, (laughs) he would say that was like an essential because we're like, it's essential for us. And we always joke that like, let's call Dave Ramsey and see what he would say about nails being essential. But that's something that we, you know, she and I happen to value. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I also want to go also into this every day, right? Like my goal here is to give people like tools that they can every day um, use for their lives. And one of the concepts I saw you put on your Instagram, I even reshared it from my Jamila Soufran Instagram with this idea of, you called it revenge. Was it nighttime revenge? Oh, bedtime revenge procrastination. Every that, Everyone was like, ouch. Yeah, so I want you to explain what that is because again, this is like talking to the quality of our lives, people, like how we feel on the day-to-day journey. And so tell us more about this bedtime revenge and procrastination. So you know, you're just on Instagram scrolling and something like stops you in your tracks. And so it was this image that explained what's called, um, I think it's revenge bedtime cr- procrastination. So it's this idea that for those of us who are overworked, have a lot of things going on, we know that sleep is important. And we know that we'll have a better day if we get all of our sleep. We know that. Very clear. It's not some some people don't know that, but it's for people who know that. But because we feel like, okay, when I deserve self-care, I deserve wind down time, then we do things to procrastinate. So let me give an example of like from child, children, right? The children always want that last cup of water, that last bedtime story. Like we know what it looks like for kids to procrastinate on bedtime, right? Because we, for them, they don't necessarily, you know, can connect the dots that of like, okay, I'm not going to feel great in the morning. But as adults, we know that. But instead, we still do all these things at nighttime to procrastinate. To, and really to, um, I would say really to decompress, but then the decompression goes on for so many hours. The next thing we know it's 2am and we're like, oh, I got to be up at six. And so now you're not getting only getting four hours of sleep. And then you you feel super shameful, but then you do it again, night after night after night. So that's what that is. So, but then I feel like it's also connected to this other concept from Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen Rubin has a book called the four tendencies And um, the tendency that most, like the majority of people are a tendency called an obliger, right? So we, so which means that we meet expectations that other people put upon us, but we never meet, we have a harder time meeting expectations that we set for ourselves. So they're the givers, right? Giving, 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 giving. And at some point we're like, I've given too much. I'm taking my time back. I'm going to stay up all night reading books or playing a video game or binge watching something because like, you know, I'm tired of giving other people my time, my my time for myself. But then again, it has, at some point it has diminishing returns, right? So it's okay to decompress. It's okay. 
to, you know, spend some time scrolling at night, but we have to set a limit on it so it doesn't become this complete negative thing. So this is how I work on this. At nine o'clock, my phone alarm goes off and it says, stop scrolling IG and read a book. It used to say wind down time, but that was that was even too amorphous for my brain. It literally needed to tell me what the next step was to close Instagram and read a book. Now I'm like, okay, so I'll read like a book or I like to do the crossword puzzle on the New York Times app or the spelling bee and that kind of thing. And that seems to relax me enough to then be able to go to bed. But for whatever reason, we're like fighting against going to bed to our own detriment. Yes. When I saw you put that, I was like, yes, because that's the thing. Like, you feel like the whole day was spent doing other things for other people, especially like the kids. I'm like, this is my time now. And so I'm going to do, you know, and spend as much time as I want. But then it's that cycle. You just wake up in this depleting and you feel bad about it. And so you get enough sleep. So the next day you're just like, well, I didn't get enough time to do what I wanted to do. So here I am again scrolling, which is addicting. (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, as we, we all know, especially for social, if social is your your jam, it's designed to make us do that. So you know, you know, give yourself a little bit like pat on the back. It's like it's not me; it's the algorithm. But yeah, we do have to like shut it off, right? And also, what you said too was being able to tell the people no. So I think that's 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 an important part. Um, so the whole obliger and just like our personalities and wanting to be accepted and liked and all these things and some of it. You do because it does help you with your interpersonal relationships and you have to learn to give and take in this world. But at some point, I do believe a lot of us are doing it to our detriment, whether it's financially and or just emotionally, and they're all connected most times. So explain how self-care, that part of it, like saying no, is actually a real big part to improving our lives emotionally. Definitely, definitely. So we have to have healthy boundaries, right? So you, you don't want to have boundaries that are so rigid that you're inflexible, but you don't want them to be porous as well. So it's like what you said earlier, it goes back to discernment, like knowing the situations where having the boundary is going to be the ultimate thing you can do for your mental health, wellness, just like your happiness overall, whereas other times not setting the boundary could be okay. And for me, I'm not really good at saying no itself. Like some people are like, no is a complete sentence. Okay, sure. That's just not a reality for me. But what I have done is make sure that I like write everything down, put things on my schedule. So then I can literally say, I don't have time. And not because I'm saying it facetiously, I literally can look at something and say, I don't have time for that. And then again, and so, so there's like one level that literally there might be something I want to do, but I even have to stop myself because I, you know, people are like, can you help me with this? And I get excited because I want a helper and I want to help. I love that good feeling. But it's like, you actually don't have time. So sometimes we have to ask questions of those people to say, okay, so what is it? Because, you know, people do it in a diminutive way. They'll be like, can you just help me with this little thing? And that little thing is like 10 times of what they really said, right? So you got to ask questions and all of that kind of stuff. And then literally see if you have time. So that's one way to sort of saying, say no without like saying no. The other way is to me is a little closer to no is, again, like I mentioned earlier, I'm like, okay, so is, do I need to do this? What is this doing for me? Am I moving towards my vision or am I moving away from my vision? That question. The third question is, am I going to die or lose my job by saying no to this? <laughs> I've had to get really, really basic with some of those things because there's a fear that comes like, oh, well, you know, if I don't say yes to this and people are not going to like me or people are not going to affect me or going to take away from opportunities. And some days I just have to be like, 
not going to die. I'm not going to lose my job. So just say no, take yourself to sleep and it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Stop putting, you know, your own thoughts, you know, you, you, you try to perceive what other people are thinking and there's just like, they're not even mad. They're just like, okay. And you're like, oh, <laughs> like most people are very, most people are reasonable um, for the most part. So Aisha, um, like this has been great. I want you to tell everyone where you are on your financial independence journey. I know you're still on it and I would love for you just to share that quickly and then we'll wrap up where everyone can find you. Yeah, so I I came to this interview by way of Nasima, who was one of the guests on this podcast. Nasima and I have a mutual friend. And when I saw that, you know, I started seeing her podcast and all these things about how she's paying off this debt. I was like, okay, girl, tell me how. And so that's how I learned about um, the financial independence, like the whole fire movement. I learned your podcast. So I just started binge listening to all of these different podcasts to figure out, okay, so how can I do this differently? So again, it goes back to the vision. I was like, okay, so I don't want to work for another 25 years. Where did I do that at? I'm not doing it. <laughs> and so how can I move closer to that? Because what I realized is that within my family, you know, there's some people who like don't have jobs at all, people who may have, you know, are making less than 30K and then people who are in the upper echelon. But all of us were broke because it doesn't matter how many much money you bring in. If you spend it all, then you're broke. So I had to think about, OK, so what about my future? If I don't want to work all these other hours and what do I, you know, all these other years and what do I need to do? So first thing I had to do was add up the numbers. I had to just be very clear about two numbers. One was how much debt was I really in and get away from this like good debt versus bad debt. Like how much debt was I really in? Number one, how much interest was I paying every year? It's real cute when you get your interest statement so you can write that off on your taxes, but that's money you paid, right? So like how, so so that's money that, and I was like, okay, I need to flip that and go from having those numbers be interest payments to being savings payments. So those were the two numbers I had to get focused on. And then I had to figure out, okay, so what was the easiest way to like earn some extra money to do this? So as I mentioned, before I found fire, I was doing things like mystery shopping. It is legit. Uh, hit me up. I can tell you how. Get some free dinners. Um, so mystery shopping, I was doing extreme couponing, but those were, you know, going to be like incremental things. And so I had to get to the point like, okay, so what can I do to make some bigger leaps. So one was setting a budget, being really clear about that, realizing that, you know, Christmas and oil changes for my car were not emergencies. They're things that I know were happening. So just getting real, it was really about honesty and integrity, right? With what was going on and stop hiding from these numbers, realizing that my credit cards are a form of a payment, not another bank account, just all of these mental shifts. So now this is the first year that I'm like contributing to maxing out my 401k, you know, so I moved them all to be in one place and all this kind of stuff. So I could see those balances grow, learn um, about investing in index funds so that my retirement account could grow instead of like just kind of being there. I don't know what percent it was at before those kind of things. So really getting those basic things under my belt. So now it's just like I've paid off. I don't know the number of debt, but like every year my network is going up by 20 or 30,000 every year just by paying off the debt. Like I said, like this time we're going to buy a car in cash. I'm learning now about real estate investing. So that way that can be another source of income. So really just loving the fact that, you know, credit cards are paid off, attacking the loans that I have, 
aggressively, but also also saving at the same time because I you know there's things I want to do in terms of investing. And if I want to start to, if I want to not have to wait 25 years to retire, then it's like, how do I, you know, that account that's going to be the bridge account for those years, you know, I need to be able to live during those times. So it's really revolutionized me to realize like, I have enough. I just needed a little mindset change, a little education. And so we could do that. And then also just within my business, realizing that people will pay me for things (laughs) at a good rate at the same rate or more than when I get paid at work. And so being able to do those things as well so that I can have a little bit of luxury, but also just keep stacking because 25 years, it's not, it's not an option. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so, I mean, we didn't really talk about this in detail, but you know, you're working and you had, you have your business on the side where you do stuff. So I want you to talk about that briefly, but I have a challenge for you. Aisha, because you, I mean, maybe you just didn't know the numbers just now, but I would love for you to like share and look back at how much you did save and pay off and invest over the years that you intentionally started this. Cause I always find that when people like tally that up, like, and know the number, it's a realization. It's a, it's a boost in confidence because it's just like, wow, I did that. Right. So I I just, I would love to see that update from you on your social. Yeah. But the number I do know is again, we haven't, we didn't really talk about this in terms of like, race and upbringing is, but I do know that the net worth of like a black family is only like $17,000. And for a white family, it's like $170,000. I'm close to white people money. I'll just say that in terms of my net worth. I'll just say that. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. And we're going to, then eventually we're going to, even that it's going to be right. <laughs> equal. <laughs> so I love that. Okay. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your business, Aisha, and where people can find more about you and follow you and what services you offer. Sure. So I consider myself a stress management expert and self-care advocate. And through that, um, I help successful women who are burned out get serious about self-care so they can overcome overwhelm, sustain success, and revive relationships. Because a lot of times all the stress stuff is really impacting our relationships, um, whether it be personal or with family and things of that nature. So with that, I do group coaching. And I also do a fair amount of speaking at universities, nonprofits, associations. I actually spoke at for a movie studio the other day. So that was awesome. Um, so really just trying to put this um, information out there. And so the best way to find me, so if you want to get on my email list, just go to seriousaboutselfcare.com. And there, there's a template for you that will help you put together your first self-care plan. And then I can be found all over the internet at selfcarebyaisha.com at self-care by Isha on Instagram. Check out my reels. They're really fun. <laughs> I love them. They are. They're so cute <laughs> and informative. Cute and informative. Right, exactly. So we're bringing the facts and, you know, we're bringing a little bit of the ouches <laughs> to you, but in a very fun and dynamic way. So really, um, you can find me at my website and on Instagram are the main places where I hang out. And I will link all that in the show notes. So if you, whenever you listen to this, click details and or go to journeytolerance.com to get all the links that Aisha mentioned. Aisha, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm always lovely to have an actual journeyer in the rocket seat, you know, who has an expertise to share. So super excited to be able to talk to you. All right. And thank you. And I can't wait to talk to the journeyers when the episode um, comes out. Okay, journeyers, I hope you got a lot from this conversation with Aisha. Let us know what you think. Tag me at Journey to Launch. I'm at Journey to Launch on Instagram. Aisha is at 
self-care by Aisha on Instagram. Let us know what you thought. If you're listening to this episode, take that screenshot, share it on your stories or on your main feed. Tell a friend because I really do think that this is important. I have so many people reach out and talk to me about burnout and that, you know, they don't know if they can sustain at the pace they're going when it comes to their job and reaching their money goals. So self-care is extremely important. And I hope you got a lot from this. We did mention Nasima in the episode. So Nasima, that's our girl from Financially Intentional. So check her out at financiallyintentional.com. Also, Nasima does have a book coming out. I'm so excited for her. It's called Smart Money, The Personal Finance Plan to Crush Debt. By the time this is out, you should be able to pick it up. Check out financiallyintentional.com. Also, again, let me know what you think, what you thought, what you're going to take away from this episode and do differently. How are you rating all the areas of your life? What are you going to do to improve them? How are you going to focus first? What's that lead domino that we talked about in the episode? Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me in the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.